Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Flushing is Burning. I'm Grace and um, a little weird to be doing this one alone, but uh, we're going to figure it out. Uh, so I'm going to try and keep the same form this week that we usually do every other week. Um, I'm also going to continue saying we a lot because A, I think I'm too trained to be able to do it. And B, it kind of sounds weird for me to sit alone and record and then just say I a lot. I don't know. It feels weird. But um, so given the last few weeks, we haven't really been able to talk any Met stuff. Uh, we really missed sort of the big Met story of um, the year, really, given the other than the, the Mets falling apart. The big story is uh, they got they they finally got their guy. They signed David Stearns. Um, I don't think anyone didn't think this was happening. You know, like, I, I feel like everyone kind of saw this coming, um, other than maybe a few fatalists and uh, and just sort of thought experiments online. But this is kind of, hopefully, the perfect guy for them. Young, has experience with um, winning teams year after year. I mean, in the however many years he's been with Milwaukee, five, six, seven, they've only missed the playoffs once. Um, and... Now he's going to come here, and even if uh, it's true that, you know, Cohen's going to spend less money coming into this year, the uh, the even less money for Steve Cohen is more money than David Stearns has ever had to work with, which is great. Um, so hopefully, you know, it, it's something that helps the franchise. They signed him for five years. There's no... I haven't seen any money amount come out since the signing was um, announced, but that's also because uh, he's technically still working for the Brewers. So, uh, you know, if they can leak that he got hired, they can't comment on it personally, for, uh, publicly. He can't couple, uh, comment on it publicly. Um, but yeah, this is going to be, th this is going to become a very interesting time to be a Mets fan, um, which brings in the thought of what is going to be his first order of business. Now in the last however many months um, since the trade deadline, we've we've heard the, oh, they're going to trade Pete Alonso. They're going to trade Pete Alonso. They're going to trade Pete Alonso. The Brewers are interested. The Cubs are interested. This team's interested. That team's interested. Um, and then this past week, a report came out in, I believe it was Sports Illustrated or like a Sports Illustrated side blog or something like that, um, that the Mets and Alonso were, had been talking about an extension that they were agreed on the number amount, but not on the years. Um, he wants 10 years. They don't want to go that far. They're probably going to, at this point, if they're, if they're agreed on money and it's the years that are holding it up, I can't imagine given that, you know, teams are signing <laughs> Xander Bogarts and Trey Turner to like 11 and 13 years or whatever, these stuff that's going to play them through age 42 um, you know, Alonzo, when he signs his extension, it would be through his ages 30 to 39 season, I believe. Um, even if you need him to just become a DH on the back end, Cohen has the money to sort of eat that at the back end. And the, the way that you're going to be sort of making your fan base so happy with this. You know, I'm trying to think of the right words here, but it, it's it's showing a level of commitment to the team and to the fans. Because if you let Pete Alonso walk, 
that's the that's <laughs> that's really one of the only I mean they've extended they re-signed Neymar they didn't extend him they re-signed him um they extended McNeil but in terms of pure hitters Alonzo is the best one that they have gotten out of their farm system in quite a long time and to extend him would be a act of good faith to the fan base and to, to the team as well I mean if if you're not willing to extend Pete Alonso. What are you willing to do? Like any, you know, that's that's the face of your franchise. Tim and Tim and Lindor. You can argue Nimmo. You can argue McNeil. You can argue whoever else. But really, if you ask people who they know from the Mets, the first ones to come to mind are going to be Lindor and Alonso. Um, I can't imagine. Maybe maybe they give. Maybe he gives a little bit on years, and it goes down to seven years, eight years, or whatever. But I I, I can't see this not happening. Um. In the offseason, I mean, they've been linked to uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I assume that'll probably become a, you know, once free agency starts, that'll be a, a move that'll happen. If if they're the ones to sign them, I assume it'll probably happen at some point earlier in the offseason if they're the only ones extensively linked to him. Um, is that going to be the first move? Um, is, you know, there's been reports this week about Craig Council. Over the last however many months since in the early season, if not last preseason, uh, that the Brewers hadn't extended him, that he was going to play out the contract, and they were going to see where they were going to go from there. Maybe he was going to take a year off. This week, an article comes out saying that, oh, he's not taking a year off. He's going he's gonna to manage next year, and the only question is where. Um, and his family is in... Wisconsin, which would make staying with the Brewers palatable and, and and likely easy for him. But David Stearns is coming to New York and Council, you know, has worked with David Stearns. Does David Stearns get Craig Council in to be the manager over Buck Showalter? Um, you know, you could have Buck Showalter manage next year, but uh, I don't think the last year of any Buck Showalter contract has ever gone smoothly. Um, and this year's been such a disaster. And I mean, the Tommy Pham stuff that just came out where he's talking about how they're the least hardworking team he'd ever been with. Um, and in saying that he did say that he did compliment uh, Lindor and Alonzo and Nimmo and, and a few other players. Um, but that, that falls on Buck Showalter. You know, if they're not working hard, has he lost the clubhouse? And Lindor has come out and said that he wants he wants Buck to stay as manager, but you don't you know you can't just go by what he wants. You got to go what's best for the team. And do you want the guy who has never gotten over the hump as the manager to get to the World Series, you know, and and is older and is showing that in his strategy and has maybe lost this clubhouse, these players already, who. I mean, we've talked about about it on the show before. I believe he's, you know, throwing young players under the bus instead of ex taking any sort of responsibility at times. Oh well, this player should perform better. Yeah, you shouldn't have put that relief pitcher out there that we all knew was terrible. So, you know, do you want that or do you want Craig Council, someone who is seen as one of the best tactical managers in the league? You know, if you can bring that in. And the team that the Mets have isn't bad. They're bad this year, but they're not a bad team. They need to fix the pitching quick, but they're not a bad team. 
um, they can contend. I mean, they've said it themselves. Their 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 window for contention now is going to be start 2025, 2026. They can contend next year. There's no saying they can't. You know, and there's there's simple moves that you could make to make that even easier. Um, one of which is the oft talked about uh, Shohei Otani signing, um, which oh, this team's in the mix, that team's in the mix, then he hurts his arm, and all of a sudden now it's a little bit more uncertain. Um, I don't think the Angels are keeping him. He is... He left the team. He's not coming back. Like, he he left the team. He didn't just leave the team. He left the country, you know? And, and he can put up that he had the surgery and go halos all he wants, but... He was willing to, you know, he's got the oblique injury, but he was willing to DH for them right through the end. And then all the stuff comes out where they're not putting people on the injured list. And the prevailing wisdom on that is because they don't, they are within thousands of that luxury tax. They don't want to go over it. And if they put, you know, whoever Anthony Rendon on the injured list with a broken leg and have to call someone up, now they're over the luxury tax. They pay luxury tax. They don't want to do that. Um, so I don't think he's staying in, in Los Angeles. He's not with the Angels. And for a player who is going to need a year before he can pitch again, like he's not going to pitch next year. He can DH next year. He's probably going to, they were talking about during the broadcast last night, he's probably going to be wearing one of those little doohickeys on his arm like Bryce Harper's got. Um, but he's not going to be able to pitch until 2025. That's the start of their contention window. Kind of fits perfectly. And they have the money to, to get him here. And and I, there's been that, it was that report this week. I don't remember from who. Uh, basically, it might have been John Basically, if if they're willing to spend the money on him, if he's willing to come east, to, they're going to give him the biggest offer. So if he's willing to come east, they're going to outbid everyone. That's really interesting. You know, and, and Stearns could be part of that. And also that one also falls under uh, Billy Epler, who signed him when he was with the Angels and, and you know, obviously has some sort of relationship with him. Uh, you know, the Stearns-Epler working relationship could be very beneficial in that scenario. Um, and then another one that we'll also talk about a little bit later is um, do the Padres trade Juan Soto this year, this offseason? Because... And, and again, we're, we're going to get into this later, but it sounds like the situation in San Diego is not great for anyone. And does, does Juan Soto basically go to them and say, I'm not extending here, so you know, do whatever you have to do, whatever. And there's been that prevailing thought that he wants to come back east because it's closer to the Dominican where he's from. Could the Mets swing a trade for Juan Soto? You know, they really bolstered their farm system this offseason, and while you'd love to see them keep you know, as many of those pieces as possible because they all seem to be very good pieces. If, you know, if you're looking at it, do you get Juan Soto or do you get a guy who, if he's really, really good, could be kind of like Juan Soto, you know? Juan Soto is young Ted Williams at this point. So it's very interesting to think about what Stearns is going to bring to the Mets and what could possibly happen. But I think it's important that, we temper expectations a little bit. I think, I think a lot of 
a lot of baseball fans, Met fans in particular, um, there's like two, there's two modes. There's two uh, poles at the either end of the spectrum where one is just like total fatalist doomer, like we're, we're, we're never going to contend. We're going to be terrible forever, blah, 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 blah. And then the other side, it's like next year we're in the world series. We're the greatest team in the world. Blah, 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 blah. And we sort of swing wildly between the two, but I think that there's a middle ground here, um, especially for this it's important to sort of keep the expectations for him reasonable, right? In, ter- in in terms of what we can expect from David Stearns, especially coming in in this situation versus whatever pie-in-the-sky scenarios we want to create. I mean, he's he's going to come in. It's There's a good base here, good core. Kodai Senga looks like an ace. There's things he can do that very easily lift the club next season, right? And 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 these are the easy things. The the Alonzo extension, signing Yamamoto. Um potentially in that area is bringing Craig Council's manager, but there's a little bit more tri- sticky. The Otani and Soto and anything else stuff, they can be seen as possible. They're very possible. But at the same time, let's not sit here and go we're going to get Otani, you know. And and I'm guilty of that, you know, being sitting there and going like, oh, "I think they got a real chance." But I also am going to temper my expectations and mentally I'm going to put him in a Dodgers uniform until he's in any other uniform. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how David Stearns works out for the Mets. Um, other than that, the season's drawing to a close. We're reaching the last week here. Um, they've been <laughs> not great as of late. They had like a little weird run where they were looking okay. And then um, they got swept by the Phillies right after winning a series in Miami. Um, so it, it, they're they're good, you know. They're they're doing okay now. The guys that you want to see doing good are are mostly doing good. Um, Alvarez just came out of the game last night. I'm recording this on Monday. Alvarez just came out of the game last night uh, after getting hit in the hand with a foul pitch. Um, so he's at 23 home runs. I think the the dream of him hitting 26 is probably dead. Um, Pete's closing in on 50. I don't know that he can cross that that. I mean, he'd have to go on a run this week, but probably not. Um, Lindor is three home runs from 30-30. Again, it's a little more likely than Pete getting 50, uh, but I, I don't know that it happens. But still, this is a this is a great year for Lindor. Um, Kodai Senga's thrown himself into, really into the thick of that Cy Young debate at this point, because at this point, it's it kind of feels like it's Snell, Steele, Strider, Senga, the S's, um, you know, a couple of the names thrown in there. Probably it's Snell, but I think Senga's really sort of pushed up to getting, you know, maybe not number one votes, but he might get a lot of three and fours. And that's really great for his first season in MLB, a season where he had to adjust his hand to the ball and, and didn't look great at the start. Like he looked good and then he would have a terrible outing and stuff like that. He's really impressed over the last three months, really. Um, Edwin Diaz, the Edwin Diaz dream has, has ended. Um, he's not, he's not going to come back this season, which I think as soon as the Mets traded at the trade deadline, I thought to myself, he's not ready by beginning of September. There's no reason to do it. You know? Yes. Would it be fun if the last week of the season we get trumpets or whatever? Yeah. But at the same time, uh, the idea of him, sort of getting more time to recuperate, even if he's fully healed and he's ready, 
I'd rather him not risk anything at the end of the season here. Um, but yeah, the, the tank is on now. Let's let's get a good draft pick. Um, it's hard though. It's hard because the Angels did that weird sell-off where they just <laughs> like put every single player that they traded for on waivers to try and get below the luxury tax. So they have really, and now that Otani's gone, that's it. Like they're just the the floor is out from underneath them. They are they are just plummeting, plummeting to to the deepest depths that you could possibly go. They've they've hit rock bottom and they've gone through it. Um, so this last week of the season is going to be, uh, probably annoying. Um, they're playing the, the Phillies and the Marlins again. Uh, and as, as we all know, even the pitch clock can't keep those Philly games from being long and obnoxious. They're, the pitch clock has made them three hour atrocities instead of four hour atrocities, which I guess is, is a win. Um, so let's, let's take a break and We'll be back with some more general baseball stuff because a lot has happened. And we're back. Um, so a lot of a lot of interesting stories have come out in the last couple weeks in just the general baseball. Um, one is sort of the drama with the San Diego Padres. So about, I'm trying to think, I think it was about a week ago, maybe a little bit more, maybe two weeks ago. Um, the San Diego Union Tribune had a report that there was a lack of positive culture in the clubhouse for the Padres. Um, and, and the article seemed to put a lot of that on Manny Machado, um, that there was no sort of routine by anyone in, in the leadership in terms of players, um, and that Manny Machado as sort of the longstanding Padre with the big contract who's been there, you know, since 2019 has sort of seen the rise of this team that he's not doing anything to help the situation. Um, it may in fact be at times harming it. Um, and that there's sort of this disjointed approach, uh, from ownership to front office to clubhouse leaders that no one's really on the same, uh, page, which is interesting. I think it's, I think it's a very interesting thing. And I think you can see that playing out on that team in real time. But I, w- what's more interesting to me about this is that, a few days later, The Athletic put out an article with the same idea, but it laid most of the blame at the feet of A.J. Preller and basically said that A.J. Preller doesn't know how to manage is the issue. And he's been there for close to a decade at this point, if not more. They've only made the playoffs like two times, and one of those was in a COVID season, two or three times. And... There's just constant personnel churn. He can't deal with people. Uh, they've, I think, I saw a crazy quote stat where it was like, in his time there, they have hired and fired 29 coaches. That just does not, even the Mets don't do that. And that's terrifying. Um, that he has no relationship with Bob Melvin. Um, that he just, he does not know how to talk to people. And he doesn't know how to deal with people. And it makes them hard to deal with in terms of internally for players, for the coaching staff, and also externally, people who have like tried to deal with the team and just there being no ability to, to communicate. Um, and that Peter Seidler, the owner of the team, has basically stayed in Preller's corner this entire time and says, this is my guy. 
So I think it's very interesting that the first article that came out sort of put all of this on Manny Machado, who, while he is a clubhouse leader, um, he he doesn't he doesn't run things. You know, he's a clubhouse leader, but he's not Bob Melvin. He's not AJ Preller. He's not Peter Seidler. He can do what he can do, but you can get all the positive presences in a clubhouse that you want. I mean, the, look look at the Mets. They talked about how how positive of a person Max Scherzer was to have in there, and the veteran, you know, statementship of Justin Verlander and Eduardo Escobar was such a great guy in the clubhouse. When they signed all those guys after 2021 and talked about how great they all were in the clubhouse, and then the next season they were such a good team, and then the season after they weren't as good. And everyone tried to say, well, they brought Verlander in. And they couldn't do anything. Uh, DeGrom leaves, and they're kicking him on his way out. I don't think it's fair to put issues like this at the players. Because the players can do what the players can do. Manny Machado can go in there, make a speech, or whatever, and the team can play fine. But if you're hiring and firing 29 people, what are you doing? You know, And in a way, if they had won a bunch this season... None of this would have come out because AJ Preller's been there for 10 years. And last year, they almost made it to the World Series. No one's talking about this stuff. There were rumors that things in San Diego weren't as good as they could have been. Um, but it's just how much can you put this at the feet of players who have no real control of the situation, you know. We saw Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis get into something of a fight in the dugout in 2021, I believe, or 2022. And Manny Machado was trying to be a leader there. But sometimes, when you win, it's not as much of a problem. When you lose, it is, you know. And there were articles that came out about the Mets recently and all of their, their trouble this season. That was where we got the Tommy Pham quotes from. Um, so it's just, I think it's very interesting. I can't, I'm, I want to see how this plays out. Um, I, I, I think Peter Seidler for everything he said, probably keeps Preller and Bob Melvin probably leaves after this year. Um, it's just, it's a very weird situation in San Diego. Uh, another thing that another, uh, bit of, drama in baseball that happened and, and I touched on it briefly talking about uh Otani and, and the Angels record is the drama surrounding the Los Angeles Angels. Um so Anthony Rendon came out and said, Yeah, I have a broken leg. I don't know why they won't put me on the injured list. What? Like that that's crazy. Otani packed his bags, left the team, left the country, went to Japan, got arm surgery done and said, all right, <laughs> See you next year, MLB. Um, that's insane. When do you see that happen? And I think, I think the most telling thing here is the reports that came out that Mike Trout might request a trade in the offseason. Now, this is th there's been you know people talking online about this for years. Well, you know he shouldn't have signed that extension. He's stuck in in with the Angels. This and that. He's never said anything to the effect of being unhappy, but I, I think this year, they went for it this year in the way that the Angels go for it, which is, you know, half-assing it all the way. Um, he's been there for 10 plus years at this point. Came up in, what, 20, 2011, 2012? 
He's been there for 10 plus years at this point. He's played in like two postseason games in 10 years. They couldn't even make it in 2020 when almost every team made the playoffs. They have had one of the best players we will ever see in our lifetimes, right? Historically. And I'm talking about my try here. He's historically good. If he were to retire today, he'd make it into the Hall of Fame. He's got another 10 years. They have the best player in baseball currently for the last five years, six years. And they can't do a single thing. And that's a fish rots from the head. That's top down. You know, and, and you see that. Artie Moreno is so involved in that team to a detrimental effect in a way. There's been different GMs, presidents of baseball operations, managers, you name it. One constant. And it sucks for him. Because at this point, Mike Trout is, he's got 10 more years. He, at this point, is injured every year. I think we've seen his peak and he's on the downturn now. Just because he can't stay healthy. If he requests a trade in the offseason and Otani leaves, that team is dead. That team is not going anywhere for the rest of the decade, probably. If they couldn't make it happen with Trout and Otani, who are they going to make it happen with? You know, like, that's really the thing. Who, Who is going to get them? anywhere if it couldn't be Mike Trout and Shohei Otani you know and and the issues were well they don't have enough pitching okay well we're going to sign pitchers but we're not going to sign anyone great you know they could have signed Garrett Cole he was probably always going to the Yankees anyway but they could have signed Garrett Cole and they didn't they signed Andrew Heaney they could have they could have done anything their big move was Anthony Rendon and it blew up in their faces it's just, you feel bad. I feel bad for Angels fans, you know, because they're, yes, they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and that's great. Last six years is so fun to watch them. But they can't do anything because their owner is meddling in every little thing and won't actually commit to trying to win in any genuine way. It's it's half steps and half measures. They're not going anywhere. And, and I mean, we we spent how many years watching the Wilpons do things like that? It sucks. It sucks to watch as, as a fan, you know? It's just, I don't know. I If he gets traded, who knows where he goes. But it's going to, the, the Angels this offseason are a team to watch because this could either be, this is this is like a franchise defining moment for them. If you if Mike Trout def- asks for a trade, how do you recover from that? Really, like just as a team. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about, and this is um, not as this isn't as like sort of weird, interesting as it is devastating and um, a, a stain on the sport that has had so many of these stains over the last few years. Um, Julio Urias was arrested a couple weeks ago. Um, 
he's under investigation for um, domestic violence, for assault, for assault. Um, and this is the second time that this has happened to him. It's, well, I don't want to say this happened to him because that implies that he's the victim here. This is the second time he has done this. This is the second time that he has committed this crime and that he has committed domestic violence. I don't think, if you do it once, especially, believe the first time he did it, he it was in public. You should not be allowed back in the league. He shouldn't be allowed back in the league anyway right now, but he should have never been allowed back in the league. Dodgers said, okay, whatever. And, and, and the issue that happens here is too is that a, a lot of times the victims are scared. This is clearly an abusive relationship, so a lot of times the victims drop the charges. That doesn't mean that you should let them back. If it's witnessed, if they if they are doing this in public, Domingo Herman being an excellent example of this. He did Domingo Herman was so violent towards his girlfriend that she locked herself in a closet, in a room, to get away from him. And it was witnessed by other people. This was during like a MLB attended, because it wasn't an official MLB event, but I believe it was CeCe Sabathia's like birthday party or something like that. This was witnessed by people in the league, and they still let him come back. And I think this breaks down to... to Sort of an idea that I think we struggle with here. And that's being on a major league roster or a major league team or even in the minors. It is a privilege. It is not a right. You do not have the right to be on the Los Angeles Dodgers. You Being on the Los Angeles Dodgers means you're very, very good at what you do. But to be promoted like that and to be paid millions of dollars for that is a privilege. It is not a right. You can... If you are really good at baseball, you can also just play in a beer league near your house. It is not, we, we do not have to let people like this back into the, the sport. He can get another job. And quite frankly, he should be tried here. Um, and there's a chance for MLB to make a sort of statement on the sport like they did quite frankly, with Trevor Bauer, by basically, when they put down that ban for two seasons, two seasons away from the sport, with that, with that stain on you, the chances that anyone wants you back are slim to none. You know, and there's the the good version, where it's because all the teams don't believe in stuff like that. And then there's the real thing where it's just two years away from the game, even as much as you can practice at home or whatever, you're going to be shit when you come back. Because he wasn't very good before he left, too. Yeah, he won a Cy Young, but we all know what he did to win that Cy Young. There's a chance for MLB to make another statement here. All of these sports leagues, at least men's sports leagues, have an issue with this. Uh, we're watching this play out with the NBA, with um, Kevin Porter Jr., who beat his girlfriend so badly that she had a fractured vertebrae in her neck. And the Houston Rockets' response to this is, well, we're looking to trade him. How about not putting the guy on the roster, keeping the guy on any roster? 
you know, and there's this thought process where basically, well, if we release him, someone else is going to sign him. So we want to at least get something out of this. That is the wrong way to look at this. What the Dodgers should be doing is as soon as the investigation is over, no matter what, and I mean, he's going to be a free agent in this offseason, so they don't even really have to release him at that point. Um, Don't resign him. Don't resign him. There was a talk that he was going that they were going to resign him. Don't resign him. No team should sign him. No team should sign him. No team should be looking to be so fucking happy that they traded for Roberto Asuna. No one should be signing or trading for Domingo Herman. No one should be, you know, signing or keeping Aroldis Chapman. These guys should not be allowed back in the league. And there's a chance here to say, okay, we were bad before. We will be better. The NBA, Miles Bridges is making $7 million in Charlotte, and he pulled shit like this last year. How many times over the last few years have we seen this play out? This actually just happened in the WNBA, right? This is actually something that literally just happened in the WNBA. Ricana Williams with the Las Vegas Aces got arrested for domestic violence, for beating her girlfriend. She got... She went through the, the, the court proceedings, whatever. The girlfriend dropped the charges. I'm not, I'm not testifying. Okay, charges dropped. Her agent, everyone said, well, we're looking to see her be back with the Aces. The Aces, not to turn this into another WNBA thing, but the Aces have a team that desperately needs someone like her on the bench. They have such a thin bench. Their bench is one person and then four other, like, also rans, essentially. Like, there's not enough depth on their team. To be able to say, oh, well, we don't need we don't need this player. But they still basically said, see ya. We're going to the playoffs. Have fun sitting at home and not doing that. You know, we're not, you're not coming back to the team. The MLB has a chance to be more like the W in this situation than the NBA or the NFL. And I think it's important what they do here. This could be a turning point. Because this, the Julio Arias thing was in public, and the LAPD, I believe it was, said that they believed there to be footage of this that they were trying to get. So this is caught on camera. There could not be any more of a clear-cut thing going on here. You see it on video. No one should sign him. This should be, and the thing is, is that this is going to be a very big statement, because he's a good pitcher. So is there is even one team that is craven enough to say yeah but that's it you know and and we shouldn't be allowing these people into the sport because it is it's not a right to be here just like being in the in the baseball hall of fame is a privilege not a right for all the talk about how barry bonds and roger clemens and pete rose aren't in the hall of fame that is a privilege not a right and when you do things and and I'm going to say this. I don't I don't like steroid use. I don't think it's I just think it's stupid. And I know that it happens constantly in the league. My issue with all three of those players is not what they did that was the reason why people got mad at them. My reason is that all three of them Barry Bonds committed domestic violence. Roger Clemens committed statutory rape. Pete Rose also committed statutory rape and was transporting minors across state lines. Being in the Hall of Fame is a privilege, not a right. Being in the league is a privilege, not a right. And until the league makes it clear that stuff like that is not tolerated, 
and that you will not get a second chance. Because stuff like this is not something where, oh, he should, he should learn his lesson. It's 2023. We all know the lesson. We are all aware not to do this. If you do that, sorry, you didn't get the memo, but we all, the rest of us got it. So after that cheery discussion, let's, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with some, uh, with the third act. All right. So in the third act, um, I'm curious a little bit more the thought experiment of the Mike Trout offseason trade. The, the the package, where he would go, who would be involved, it, the thought of that is very interesting to me because he has 10 years left. He is one of the greatest players to have ever played. Um, it's not a terrible contract for the Mike Trout experience that we know. But because there's so much money and so many years left, I don't know how, like, the package is still going to have to be sizable. Like, the, the the players going back, the money going back. I don't know that the Angels send any money with that deal. They might try and get better players. But it's also 10 years of a guy who has not been healthy for the last few years. Um. So where, how much does a team have to give up? Who's going to want to, to trade for Mike Trout? Because conceptually, every team should want a Mike Trout. But again, if he can't stay healthy, how is that going to help? You know, the, the let's let's how would that help the Yankees, right? Because half their team can't stay healthy, they need pitching more than anything else. And there's a non-zero chance that because he can't stay healthy, he turns into a DH at some point in the not so far future. Um, I mean, there's always been the discussion that. I mean, this happened back during Bryce Harper's free agency. That Bryce Harper was sort of texting Mike Trout saying, if you don't sign an extension, let's both go to the Phillies. Like, come to the Phillies with me. We're playing Philly, right? And Mike Trout's from South Jersey. I'm not from Jersey. I know I have I, I many of my closest friends are from Jersey. I don't know the the actual geography of New Jersey and what is considered north, south. If there's a central, what central is, these arguments are very weird to me. I'm from Long Island. There's a Suffolk County, a Nassau County, a North Shore, a South Shore. Very easily told. Then there's like a middle area. But we don't call that like center. You know. But he's from somewhere close to Philly in New Jersey. And um, I believe he was a Phillies fan growing up. But do the Phillies do that? Because their team is like half DHs already. Now, Putting Mike Trout in the outfield over Jake Cave or finding somewhere else, you know, shifting Nick Castellanos to whatever the easier corner outfield is, um, is a win. But at the same time, if he needs to be a DH in three years and Bryce Harper, if he transitions to first, I mean, he's playing first this year. If he at some point transitions to first base full time, which I would not be surprised, um, and you've got Schwarber for however long he signed that contract for, if he's still there at the time, if if you've got Nick Castellanos, you've got, uh, you know, how helpful is Mike Trout if he can't stay healthy? You know, and 
I think if this was four years ago, I'd be beating the drum for the Mets to kick the tires and see what the see what is wanted for Mike Trout. And believe me, the Mets signed if Mets traded for Mike Trout, I would not be complaining. But I don't know that it's worth it for them right now. Now, also, who's worth more? Who would be better in right field? Mike Trout or Starling Marte, and I love Starling Marte, but Starling Marte may or may not be able to run anymore. Um, Mike Trout can at least do that for the 70 games he's on the field during the season, but that that's the issue. If you're going to trade for Mike Trout, you need to make sure that you have the players to spell Mike Trout and to sort of give him the breaks he might need. Um, it's an interesting thought experiment. I... I, I, at this point, I'm, I'm thinking he might actually ask for that trade, so we might, we might see the answers to these questions. Um, so, now, let's, let's round it out with my movie minute. Um, this week, so starting last Friday, and by the time this comes out, you should have about one or two more days to see it. Um, two weeks ago, I saw, in IMAX. Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads concert film. Um, and seeing the new 4K restoration of Stop Making Sense, a movie that the first time I watched it blew my mind and changed my life. Um, it turned me into a huge, huge Talking Heads fan. I've, you know, I've seen Stop Making Sense a million times. I've seen it twice on the big screen, um, once at like a dance along. Um, I seen, I saw American Utopia twice. Like, like I've seen American Utopia twice in person, which is insane to me that I've gotten to see David Byrne. Um, the second time I was in the orchestra on the floor, it was the best time of my life. Um, but yeah, so this movie, the first time I saw it changed, changed me. And now there's a 4k restoration in IMAX. Um, a 24 is distributing it. And, uh, if you're a talking heads fan, like I am, um, you know that the drama of talking heads is that, um, Tina and David, Burn, Tina Weymouth and David Byrne cannot stand each other, or at least historically couldn't stand each other after the breakup of the band. Um, for the 4K restoration, they showed it at the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, and Spike Lee hosted a Q&A with David Byrne, Chris France, Jerry Harrison, and Tina Weymouth afterwards. Um, and it was as delightfully uncomfortable as you hope. But they went and did another event together, which is interesting to me. I still don't areas each other each other enough that um they're not sometimes Tina looks like she wants to, but I got to see the QA afterwards. They showed it on the IMAX and it was it was Spike Lee kept that thing going because it was there were a few times where I was like, oh God. Um but if you get a chance to go to see this in IMAX, A, you get to hear Talking Heads perform in IMAX, like surround sound speakers, which is like as close as you're going to get to the real in-person as you can get. B, it looks gorgeous. I was stunned. Me and my dad went, and I remember watching at one point, I think it was the Once in a Lifetime segment where it's like there's a shot, it's mostly one shot, and then there's a shot right at the end where it's him and you see like the keyboardist behind like Jerry and and... I think it was Bernie behind him on the keyboards and there's like a light. So his head is almost like illuminated and just the detail 
of the, the, the film grain that they got, the detail and the beauty of that restoration. I literally, I was like, this is one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen. It's an hour and a half. If you are like me and you have Regal Unlimited, um, IMAX tickets are, they're not free, but they're well reduced in price. But quite frankly, if you can splurge the 20, 25 bucks, however much an IMAX ticket regular costs, I believe it's like 20 to 25 dollars. It is worth it for this. It's, it, there's like nothing to describe it because it's so unique. It's not just a concert film. It's a film. It's a piece of art. It's, there was so much work put into this by Jonathan Demme, who it breaks my heart that he passed away before he could have seen how beautiful of a job that they did with this restoration. But that Jonathan Demme put in with David Byrne, with the rest of the band, it's, it's just, it's mind blowing. So if you like talking heads, even if you just like music, you like movies, you got an hour and a half and you want to see one of the most gorgeous restorations I've ever seen, I highly recommend Stop Making Sense in IMAX. Now, after this week, it will still be in theaters. It's just not going to be in IMAX. So they're going to put it in regular theaters. So if you want to, you know, you go to a matinee next week, trust, even though the IMAX experience was great, I can't imagine that any other, seeing it on any, I've seen it on a smaller screen in a cafe with all the tables moved and everyone dancing in front of it. And it still looks great. So pre, pre-restoration. So, if you can make it to the IMAX through the end of the week, they might extend that a little bit. I'm not positive. But even after this week, it's still going to be playing in theaters in regular formats. Um, thank you all so much for listening um, and s- sticking with. Um, I don't know where the future is going to take us on this show. Um, I'm going to be here. You're, you're going to have to strike me away from the show. with like You're going to have to rip it out of my cold dead hands. Um, it's it's definitely odd, and I miss Christian. Um, and he said he was going to be listening. So hi, Christian. Um, it's it's so fun doing this. It's this episode felt a little weird, and I'm sure it here's a little weird for you guys because it's just me. Um, but we're gonna figure it out. And however, wherever this road takes me, I don't know. Um, if any of you guys want to reach out with thoughts um as always you can find us at on twitter or x but i'm gonna keep calling it twitter because x is the stupidest name uh on twitter at fib pod on instagram at flushing is burning pod and you can email us at flushing is we can email me at flushing is burning at gmail.com um thank you so much for listening um i'll be back next week let's go mets